Hello, my name is Pilar Díaz. I'm the head of Femtech at MAS, and Femtech for me is the opportunity to change the world for better for women. In my area, it's about innovating for textiles and apparel solutions in all of the areas that are important for a woman, from menstruation to menopause and everything in between. Welcome to Femtech Focus with Dr. Brittany Barreto, exploring the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. Welcome to the Femtech Focus podcast, where we have meaningful and provocative conversations with femtech experts. These academics, doctors, and innovators tell us about the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. I'm your host, Dr. Brittany Barreto. In today's episode, I interview Pilar Diaz, the global head of femtech at MAS Holdings. MAS specializes in creating reusable and sustainable apparel and textile solutions for women's health and hygiene. They work in collaboration with femtech companies and startups such as Thinks Period Underwear and Become Menopause Sleepwear to create apparel and textile solutions across all female life stages, from menstruation to maternity to menopause and everything in between. Headquartered in Sri Lanka, MAS Holdings is one of the largest and most recognized design-to-delivery solution providers in apparel and textile, powered by 30 years in operation, 53 manufacturing facilities across 16 countries, and 99,000 employees. Wow. Pilar is eager to work with more femtech companies to bring their textiles and apparel visions to the market. I'd be happy to introduce you to her if you shoot me an email at brittany at femtechfocus.org. Learn more about MAS Holdings at masholdings.com. Enjoy the episode. Hey, Pilar. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Brittany. Thanks. Happy to have you here. Where are you calling in from today? Today, I'm in Sri Lanka. I'm here for work with the team, but I'm usually located in Spain. Oh, my goodness. Sri Lanka. Do you travel a lot internationally for Mass Holdings? So I do travel a lot, uh, not during pandemic, but now post-pandemic, we are... uh, back to to usual a little bit actually right after this interview I'm heading to the airport so around me I have suitcases everywhere we've been in Sri Lanka for seven weeks Uh, so the minute we finish the interview I will just get the baby boyfriend luggage in that order and head to the airport (laughs) baby boyfriend and bags that's what we need (laughs) (laughs) that's right well before we get into mass holdings and textiles and all that stuff first we want to learn more about you so our listeners love to learn a little bit more about our guests because we often found ourselves in women's health we usually didn't intend to be in women's health from the very beginning so we love learning about people's journey please bring us through your journey where are you from originally did you go to school what did you study did you have a career before this and what was that and and how did you end up here very good. Um, so I'm originally from Spain, as you can possibly tell from my accent. Um, I started my career about 20 years ago, and, and it started already in the uh, in the FMCG comp- uh, industry, working on products and, and solutions related to hygiene. So I've always been working on products and solutions for, for the benefit of consumers in general terms. Um, but it was only in the last 
10 or eight years that actually I've transferred into more of the women's health and hygiene needs. And I've been working also for big companies internationally in that area, hygiene and health needs for women. Um, and just about maybe two years ago is when I joined MAS uh, at Femtech, heading the organization and extremely proud of being able to drive a positive change in the industry from this uh, side of the table now, from this industry where textiles are really playing such an important role in, in shifting the, the, the future for the category. What is Mass Holdings? Is it Mass or MAS? Yeah, well, it goes by MAS, right? So, okay. so the company was founded about um, 30 years ago. Um, it's the largest uh, apparel tech manufacturer in South Asia. So uh, it's about more than 100,000 employees, operations in 15 countries, uh, about 40 or 41 manufacturing plants around the world. Uh, so it's actually a pretty large organization dedicated really to manufacture and innovate in, in the area of intimates, uh, solutions, um, swimwear solutions, activewear solutions, and now also Femtech. I love that. Oh my goodness. Well, if it's a company that's 30 years old, I presume that this may be a, a, a later thing. They weren't working on this 30 years ago, right? Absolutely. So, so we like to say we are 30 years young, um, and it was about eight years ago or so that this company already got into Femtech at a time when the term Femtech didn't really exist yet, right? So about eight years ago, MAS started to think about what could be, you know, a solution to really replace some of those sanitary pads and tampons that today are disposable and, and they may not be the best for the planet or even for women, um, ultimately. So we engage with a company and, and we partner with them to really change the category to really transition from disposable industries or disposable products into reusable products. That is journey started eight years ago since then. At Femtech, actually, we've evolved from just having products dedicated for periods or incontinence to also having products now for maternity, postpartum, and even menopause. So uh, quite a lot happening in such a short period of time. It's so exciting. Um, what are some of the major Femtech companies that y'all have partnered with? So um, in terms of tech companies, actually, we, we partner with many other textile companies in Femtech. Um, you know, we are in the industry of apparel solutions for women's health and hygiene needs. For that, um, we, we really want to make sure that our products look good, that they make you feel normal like any other day, just wearing your underwear, just wearing your normal clothes. However, with a strong functionality, those clothes are meant to do something that is functional right? And meant to absorb blood or absorb urine or absorb sweat or absorb maybe breast milk leaks. So in that sense, we actually partner with many other companies. I can't give you some of the names due to confidentiality agreements, uh, but possibly you might be aware of some of the also companies, brands with whom we commercialize our products globally. And does, um, you know, MAS have like patents around these things and that's why companies would come to you rather than creating their own. You know, we have a lot of early stage startups that listen to the show. We also have a lot of aspiring entrepreneurs, people with cooking up ideas. If they wanted to make something that was a textile, something that you would wear, it, would they have to come to MAS to partner and work on it or could they do it on their own? And what would the that difference look like? So, so there is not like a one way only, right? Um, of course, we do have patents. Mm -hmm. So, yes. Um, can you still hear me? Yeah, yeah, you're good. Yeah, okay. Very good. So, so as I said, you know, there is not just one way to go. Um, of course, we do have patents around 
some of our most uh, um, sophisticated technologies. Actually, we do have patents in the areas of uh, periods and incontinence, as well as in the area of maternity and even menopause. Uh, but having said that, we also partner with many other um, companies with whom we may develop something together and we may actually help them to really patent something in their area. So we are also aspiring to have this type of partnership where we can bring great minds together and really innovate, right? Um, patents are also, of course, important. I think it's important that we build such a portfolio. But it's also important that we get in contact with the right um, professionals in the different industries, um, not only textile industries, but also chemicals, also uh, engineers, also universities where really new knowledge is really uh, booming. So uh, that's also important. All of that is to say that patents are really key, but it's much more than that, right? Yeah. So um, let's just, you know, I had to go down that road because I was like, let's just get some basic questions out of the way that I know my listeners will have and that I have. But let's kind of reverse and go back to the beginning a little bit here. You said this is an apparel tech company. What is apparel tech? So our solutions have to have something that delivers on a functional need. That is where the tech happens, right? So uh, femtech is one of those areas where I can give you examples of how it's not really just an underwear, but it's an underwear that does something, absorbs periods, absorbs urine as an example, right? Or, or it's a nursing bra that is supposed also to actually absorb breast milk leaks. Or it's perhaps a T-shirt or an Andy that is uh, helping to regulate your body temperature as you go through menopause. That is also important. Um, within MAS, actually, there are many other business units beyond Femtech that are also working on tech solutions uh, on, with an apparel base. Uh, we actually are also working on how to integrate uh, sensors into um, apparel solutions to, to be able to have an, an understanding of your basic health KPIs, right? So that is how technology is embedded into apparel solutions. And that is what we do beyond, of course, the core traditional apparel fashion business. This is fascinating. Is it hard to make underwear that absorb period blood? You know, like um, maybe somebody listening might be like, what? That's not that hard to do, but I presume it's probably pretty hard. Can you tell us more about that? It is hard uh, when you want to make sure you don't disappoint a woman. Um, you know, we are not just talking of any underwear. This is a serious thing, right? Like, you know, you are really supposed to deliver something that a woman can trust, can wear through the day and avoid being in an embarrassing situation, right, uh, throughout the day. So I'm sure there are many underwears right there, um, manufactured anywhere else that could really absorb, right? But, but not every underwear for absorbent um, solutions is working in the right way or really making sure that it really delivers a full leak-proof protection, or that is actually reusable uh, many other times, right? Uh, this business is not just about delivering an alternative to the traditional disposable products, such as sanitary pads or tampons, which we all know have consequences for the planet, but it's also an alternative that is supposed to be long-lasting, something that you can wear 10, 20, 30, even up to 50 times, and it still is working properly, right? So that is the trick, which is how you make it work to the right levels, but also how you make it last for X amount of washes. Yeah, because there must be not only the science and the absorbing of it, maybe smell, maybe, you know, how do you make sure there's not leaking happening? But then also, like, then what do you do with that? You're not throwing it out, you're putting it in a washer. And I presume that there's some, like, 
science behind working with detergents to get blood, you know, maybe 10 to 20 milliliters out of uh, uh, panties, right? Uh, that, that's right. Uh, you mentioned a few things like, you know, uh, maybe other properties, um, antibacterial properties is also really important, right? These are products that women are wearing, um, you know, says touching their, their intimate parts. Um, it's, it's really important that we also we, we make sure that it's, it's safe for use, right? Yes. And that the antibacterial properties or anti-odor properties are there after every wash, once and again, once and again. So all of that is really um, not that easy to deliver if you want to do it right. Again, uh, you could have just a good enough product, but in these cases, we have to be serious. It's about health solutions, health and hygiene. This is just not an underwear. So that's why it makes a difference to make sure that all of your standards are in place. Yeah. And also, you, like you said, you're touching the intimate parts of a woman. If you're referring to the, the bra that's can, you know, or pads that can absorb breast milk, those, those nipples are sensitive, right? We don't want just regular old gauze on them, right? It's a, it's a sensitive thing. So is that also something y'all consider is comfort? Of course, you know, the, the materials have to be really sensitive with skin. They have to really make sure that, you know, there is no irritation, uh, that we don't actually contribute to another problem, uh, especially when you are breastfeeding. Uh, your nipples could already be very sensitive just because of the breastfeeding part, right? Mm -hmm. So you don't want this type of products to actually make the situation worse. That's really important that it works, but it works uh, on a full case, meaning absorbs, provides the antibacterial and anti-door properties, uh, is actually um, caring with skin, right? So all of those things are really important. But um, above all, I would actually like also to highlight, you know, that today in the industry for disposable products, call it like um, nursing pads that are disposables or, or sanitary pads that are disposables, uh, we all know what is the consequence for the planet. Um, you know, up to 7% of the world's landfill is actually made out of simply this, like products that are meant for hygiene solutions and that are disposable. And second, long-term is actually quite expensive if we all think what we have to spend month after month, or even when you are breastfeeding, the amount of products that you use through the day and, and buy repeatedly. So it's not good for the environment. It's not good for our pockets. That's why we came with, you know, what else could be an alternative that is reusable. Yeah. Do y'all have like factories, like R&D centers, research and development centers where you have like menstrual blood and urine and breast milk and like you're pouring it on materials and like doing research? So we do have formulas that are simulating as much as possible those bodily um, fluids, right? Okay. Um, yeah. so, so it's important within a, a, a lab environment is to really replicate those um fluids to the best of our possibilities. Um, okay. It's totally different to deal with blood and the viscosity of that uh, as opposed to urine and the viscosity yeah. of that, right? Yeah. So, so you couldn't say this product works equally well for one thing or the other. You actually have to make sure that the product is defined for what it is. Uh, so we do have, yes, as you said, R&D centers where we really replicate as much as possible how this would happen in real life. So interesting. We've been talking a lot about uh, absorbing. Y'all also offer temperature regulating textiles. Tell us more about that. Yes. So, so actually, um, you know, we came up with this idea when we were working on menopause. Um, you know, after periods, incontinence or maternity, menopause to us was kind of the next big thing in femtech. Mm -hmm. uh, but as I said, 
MAS has been really a pioneer in Femtech. We started in this eight years ago, as I said, with periods. Um, and we already went to maternity about four years ago. At that time, uh, Brittany, actually, there were no brands uh, willing to partner with us to commercialize our solution. I will talk now about our solution, but you know, it was early days for menopause and early days to dare to talk about such a taboo. So as we couldn't find any partners to commercialize our solutions, which, by the way, is patented solution, uh, we were brave enough to launch our own B2C model, our own brand in the UK. So our business is really not B2C. We are in the business of serving brands so they can actually sell to consumers. But in that specific case, because we could not find a partner, we went ahead and launched our own brand, which is called Become, becomeclothing.com. That's the website in the UK. And there you could find everything else about the, the technology, how it works, what is the magic within that. But actually, it's a, it's a technology that is able to regulate your temperature as you suffer a hot flash. What is a hot flash? Hot flash, first of all, in menopause is the number one symptom, right? 80% of women in the menopause are suffering hot flashes on a daily basis, several times a day, so quite frequently. This technology helps regulate your body temperature when you suffer the hot flash. It's able to actually um, transfer the heat out make sure that there is um, you know, no odor, no sweat, and is able to control your temperature to go back to normal again. Uh, since we have launched, actually, uh, the world started to talk about menopause as well. I know mm. in many countries, uh, in the US, in the UK, menopause is now a big thing. Yeah. And now, actually, we do have brands and partners interested in talking about menopause, finally, which makes me extremely happy because you know, I struggle to see how much taboo there is still in in everything that has to do with feminine, intimate hygiene or health. I mean, that's insane that y'all literally had to, as a B2B 30-year-old company, business to business, you had to launch your own brand because there literally wasn't in partners that you could sell your menopause hot Absolutely. flash textiles to. That's insane. And that, that wasn't that long ago. Exactly. We, we launched it three years ago. And again, it's not yeah. our business. That was not, it's not what we know how to do best, but we had a product. It was great. It was patented. <laughs> we couldn't take it to market. And so we were in a corner like, you know, let's take it to market ourselves yeah. and at least, you know, keep going until the world is ready for this. And, and the world is now ready for that. Yes. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. Do you think there's other areas in women's health that textiles could have a part in maybe something that isn't necessarily obvious, like hot flashes, right? Like that's not absorbing blood or urine, but it's, it has to do with your clothes. Are there other areas in women's health that textiles could contribute potentially? Yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, even, um, you know, if you think of mastectomy, like, uh, unfortunately, one in every eight women or so, and this is kind of a global statistic, um, will develop breast cancer, will suffer breast cancer. And many will have to go uh, and go through the drama of a surgery, right? So um, if you think of the post-surgery and the mastectomy process, what could we do as an apparel tech company to come up with the right medical brass to help heal him, you know, to help within during the healing process? And what can we do actually to make that step better. That is also an area where at uh, the moment there is not much innovation. We are working on, on some of the areas beyond where we are present today. So beyond periods, incontinence, maternity, menopause, which are kind of the given. There are many other areas. Mastectomy is to name one, but sexual health is another one, right? Like how could those textiles address some of those situations? And even if you think a little bit more beyond that, if you, if you try to take today an absorbent underwear, 
So today we are manufacturing reusable absorbent underwear for periods. Many others are doing the same, but that is still kind of providing the basics for hygiene. Now, what if we could elevate from hygiene to health and incorporating those type of um, underwears and sensors to actually have a, a basic reading on your, you know, health status, right? You know, uh, what are the different levels on, on your health uh, KPIs based on what we can conclude on that blood analysis or urine analysis? So that's a possibility. And there are so many areas, so many other areas that we can actually develop to elevate the category from simple hygiene solutions that were meant to replace tampons or sanitary pads into much more elevated. Amazing. That is absolutely incredible. Um, you know, you've got me thinking about all these things, like what if we had like period panties that also had heating, you know, for cramps or what if, you know, these just thinking about, um, why would a, why would a woman use these over, uh, tampons or pads? And I'm, and I'm even thinking about different bodied people, you know, a woman who maybe isn't able to physically go up into her vagina to pull out a diva cup or a tampon. Um, maybe it's, it would be more accessible for her to use these absorbent underwear. Hello. Yes, I can hear you now. Perfect. Sorry. Yeah. I'll just write down this time. What? drop the uh, pause. I don't know whose internet it is, but we're doing great. We're going to keep going. So um, I hear you saying about, um, what about period cramps? Um, I love the fact that you say that. You know what, Brittany, it's like period pain is is another thing that, you know, we've been just told to just deal with it. Take some mm. painkillers, uh, yeah. some of them with side effects and, and kind of that's a lot, right? You know, that's, that's, that's what it is available. Um, as the only solution. Uh, but as you said, 80% of women will suffer some level of period pain. Some of them actually very heavy period pain, right? Like even endometriosis, like extremely painful. Um, so to, to your point, actually, there are already, um, you know, innovations, ideas around those terms, which is how could we incorporate a heating solution that could, according to what the women will need, uh, different levels of heating temperature to manage the pain. So that's actually possible and it's something that we are working on. Wow. It, this is, um, you know, you're talking about diagnosing even potentially like, I mean, you're collecting menstrual, you're collecting human blood, like, or urine, which is often what doctors use to run a diagnostic test. So is there, um, you know, is MAS looking to expand more into the life sciences? Or are you looking for more partners to do that externally? We, we are very open to open innovation. Let me tell it this way. So actually, we are very open to partnering with others that may be already looking into that. And that's the way we, we like to go. Uh, it's important that we bring solutions faster to the market. So yes. for that, we really open our boundaries and want to partner with others that may be already more advanced in some areas, perhaps not in textile, but perhaps they are in sensors. And yeah. then how do we bring the best of both worlds? Exactly. Oh, I love that. I love that. Um, you know, one of the biggest brands that you work with is Thinks. So can you tell us a little bit of the history of that? Think, what is Thinks? Um, and then did they approach you? Did you approach them? Tell us a little bit about that journey. So um, I'll tell you a little bit of what I can share. Actually, the, the, the journey with uh, Thinks started in 2014. So uh, a few years back, right, when it was just an idea, a concept, and, and they came to MAS also to understand you know, what could be the, the opportunity to collaborate. 
MAS actually was brave enough to, to think of why not. You know, we could contribute as, a, as an expert in apparel solutions to a better world for uh, hygiene solutions for women and really contribute to more sustainable products, better for women, more economic in the long term, right? So that's where the story began in 2014. Uh, since then, actually, both MAS and Things have actually um, had a success, big success, um, you know, primarily in the U.S. And that's where the whole story was born, right? And, and Things has been that brave brand that has really um, broken taboos and, and has really shifted the category from what it used to be a very traditional um, marketplace of sanitary pads and disposable products into something completely different. So not only the marketing, the language, the type of product was a revolution that I feel many others are now following. So um, we are very proud to have contributed to the success of things in this industry as the real pioneers of um, absorbing underwear. So cool. You know, you actually mentioned something really interesting, but that it was predominantly in the United States with things. Can you actually give us a little bit of a global overview of other countries? Are they like way ahead of us in terms of period underwear? Are they less than the United States? What What's the different international um, appetite for absorbent panties. So uh, at the moment, this is a bigger um, industry in the U.S. and Australia. I think as a very advanced market where sustainability perhaps is really top of mind in consumers' mm-hmm. um, minds, right? Um, that to say um, is not only there, then obviously uh, the, the world is now really global, right? And the trends really travel very fast. So you could now see period panties or incontinence panties all around Europe. Uh, you can start seeing that, a bit of that in Latin America or Asia, even in, Af- in Africa at a different scale uh, with different kind of, um, you know, quality in the materials and the type of products. But certainly this is a trend now that is global although very clearly U.S. and Australia continue to be at the head of it and really being pioneers on, in, in this industry. Wow, that is that is fascinating. Um, do you think that the price point and, you know, messaging around period underwear is accessible to all women, like including women who may not have a lot of expendable income or, you know, women of color? Does Do these textiles speak to them? Or do you think that we're still working on you know, infiltrating the market with a brand new product, right? Because there's something to be said about this is totally new. Women have never done this before where they had advanced underwear, (laughs) you know, doing this for them. So, you know, there's a certain amount of understanding that if it's a small subsection of the market for right now, but what do you think about, uh, is this accessible to women of color, women of all different economic statuses? Is it accessible to people identify as a man, but have a vagina and a menstrual cycle? Tell us more about that. So I love this question, um, and you put it both from kind of, um, you know, accessible from a price point, as well as, as you said now, um, you know, um, I think also um, relevant for everyone, right? Um, so uh, to that point, actually, you know, any gender and any, uh, you know, sexual condition, I think, I think this is kind of an interesting part for them. We're not talking here of men specifically, but actually, let's also not forget that uh, men also suffer incontinence, right? Uh, so urinary incontinence is not just a drama for women. It might be a little bit more for women. One in every four women will have urinary incontinence, but still, it's also important for men. But to your point, um, no, today, actually, I would uh, be very brutally honest on this. Um, there are not good enough solutions available at all price points. And that is exactly what we're trying to correct right now. 
where all this started was in the US, in Australia, where there is a certain um, you know, uh, level of or, um, possibilities for, for out-of-pocket spend. And the market started at a relatively mid to high level price as sophisticated product meant to actually replace some of these disposable products. Actually, even at that high price and, and the, the high price where it all started years ago, if you make the, the math and if you calculate for yourself as a woman how much you spend every month buying your tampons, X amount of tampons every month after year after year, right? For quite many years, actually, you are spending much more money in disposables than what you would ever spend in reusables, even if you do it on an annual comparison. So even at a premium price, the reusable products are still more affordable long-term than disposables. However, that first um, purchase, the first out-of-pocket is still relatively high. So we are working hard on uh, doing the, the adaptations of those innovations to deliver the good, better, and the best products in the category. So making sure that it's accessible to everyone, right? So um, no matter what is kind of your, your um, um, kind of uh, affordability level, uh, you should be able to have access to this, especially if you are in Latin America. If you are in Africa, if you are in some of the Asia countries, you should totally have the right to access the same type of products. And that's where we're working now hard in which how do we bring similar functionality with lower cost materials that can deliver exactly the same. So making sure that technologies can be available globally. Yes. What is the market value of period underwear? So I'm going to tell you first, Brittany, what is the market value in terms of retail sales of the disposable products today? Okay. Just so you can make... Can you, you can have an understanding of what is the possibility for reusables yeah. and why this is better for actually the environment and, and out of pocket as well. Today, if we just put together tampons and sanitary pads, uh, daily liners, pads that are really disposables, that index is about 25 billion US dollars, 25 billion, right? Um, let's imagine that a part of that is going to convert to reusables, right? And a part of that is already moving into reusables. So if you just simply calculate, you know what, 10%, 20%, 30% will move to reusables eventually, that is a significant value, right? So we are really estimating just for period underwear, the industry to become a 1 billion in retail sales really in the next couple of years. So, so it's really growing fast, but the, the potential is huge if you simply take into account what is the size of the current industry that is really based on disposable products. Do you think because of the sustainability point of this whole thing that you have more traction with younger women um, who are, you know, just starting their periods and want sustainable solutions versus women maybe in their late 30s who've been using pads their whole life and tampons? Um, it is one of the reasons, but it's also that it's, it's easier to drive a behavior change and a habit uh, when you are younger, right? So um, younger women are more willing to try new things mm -hmm. um, in all senses, right? Here as well in this type of products. So it's difficult to convince a consumer that has already been using tampons or sanitary pads for 20 years to, to try something different. Although I might say that it's not only sustainability that is driving this younger group to try new things, but also the older group is attracted to this, um, perhaps not just purely from a sustainability angle, but also uh, from a normalizing type of idea. Let me explain that. If you, not necessarily for period, but if you're suffering urinary incontinence and you have to wear each and every day uh, a sanitary pad that you will change X amount of times through the day, that always reminds you of your condition, right? And, and it doesn't make you feel normal and just good. 
So these type of products are meant to look good, just like any other underwear, but have a function. And, and ultimately, the idea is to make you feel normal, like forget about your condition because you should feel normal. Actually, it's something normal in life, right, to go through these stages. And that's what to try to make, to make sure that, you know, people will just simply wear their clothes, their underwear, and just go with it. Yeah. And my sister needs your product because uh, she is currently pregnant with her second child, and she got a cold last week. And she said, honestly, the worst part of this cold is that every time I cough or sneeze, I pee myself. So she's like, I have gone through so many underwear this week. It's stupid. Like I'm running. I literally run out like I because ever, and she would just sneeze yeah. or cough and she goes, oh, because she just emptied her bladder. You know, that, that you know, fantastic point, because that really happens during pregnancy. And then uh, postpartum can be even worse. Like, mm-hmm. you know, if you know, our research tell us that during postpartum up to up to 95 percent of women, so every woman suffers incontinence. Yeah, incontinence wow. or very or and very heavy vaginal discharge. Yeah. So you absolutely need to be wearing daily liners for quite a some time or this type of product. So actually, you know, this is really relevant for women across the different life stages. And, and your your sister example is, you know, I can relate to that, right? I've been pregnant just like, you know, a year ago. Um, and so absolutely, absolutely right. What percentage of like menstruators would you say are currently using period underwear? Uh, very small yet. You know, there, there is the need to drive awareness. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if, if you ask women around you, um, many may not even know what this product is yet, right? Many may not even have heard of it. Um, yep. Literally like- yesterday, I was at the gym and I was with my personal trainer and she always asks like, who are you interviewing this week? And I said, oh, this company, they make the textiles for period underwear. And she was like, what are those like the the underwear you wear in your period, your ugly ones, your big floppy? And I said, oh, no, 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 no. They're like smart, uh, absorbent. And she was like, I've never heard of that. And sometimes I am, you know, naive to being the host of the show. I'm like, oh, you've never heard of that. And then I'm like, whoa, 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 no judgment. Let me. And I was like, I'm going to send you the episode. Okay. <laughs> But yeah, I can't believe there's everyday women who are, you know, young and out there and not living under a rock and they still don't even know what it is. Absolutely. So I tell you that the product awareness is still very low. So it really takes time to educate people. And, and, you know, some brands are doing a fantastic work on that. But today I would say that possibly only 15% of women are aware of such product existence, aware of the existence. That doesn't mean they use it yet, right? And using that, possibly less than 5% of the women menstruating are even using that or have ever tried such products. So, so I think the future opportunity is brilliant, but it really requires efforts in terms of educating and marketing. Yeah. Well, you know, through this podcast, I've learned different cultures have different, you know, tip, like their defaults, you know, for menstrual solutions like in Japan, the vast majority of women do not use tampons, like less than 10% of that market uses tampons. And so when I first heard that, I was like, what, you know, like, whereas us, it's more predominant. So everywhere, everywhere is different. What would you say are like, um, the top brands right now available in this, in this, uh, industry? And then are there any upcoming brands that we should be aware of? So I think top brands will be, you know, we mentioned things, of course, as the global leader. Um, you also have like, strong brands such as Nixwear, Modibody, Dearcade, those just to name a few, right? And they're mostly US, Australia, Europe. Um, 
there's still some other small brands now um, making the, the progress in, in Latin America or even in Asia. Uh, at the moment, I would say those top three, four are really the most uh, critical ones, but many others are really following. And I actually, I love that. I really encourage that level of competition and that level of action within this industry because only by having more and more brands and investors interested in helping those brands, startups really to take it to the next level, we can really make a change in the industry. Again, going back to today, disposable industries uh, where all women are contributing to that, right? To the problem for the planet and eventually kind of um, a high spending month after month, year after year. So it's only through more brands, more investors, uh, more public interest in driving these new categories that we can really drive the change. Absolutely. And are these products typically sold in the femcare aisle, even though they're technically apparel? Uh-huh. Good question. So today, uh, because the nature of the industry is mostly startups, they mostly sell online, right? So it's mostly uh-huh. digital business in most cases. Yeah. Now, you possibly start seeing now in some of the stores also this type of products. And, and that's kind of the, the key answer where. Uh, sorry, the key question where there's no such an answer yet, which is women are today used to, you know, buy their tampons sanitary pads on a certain area in the store, right, where hygiene products are. Uh, but we're talking here of underwear. So also women are used to buy their underwear at a different area, underwear, yeah. or perhaps even a different store. So what's the future here? Um, who win really? The, who will really win this race, right? It's like, are women going to trust more? maybe hygiene brands and buy this from a hygiene shelf um, or from the underwear brand. Uh, and for that, I don't have an answer yet. That's why for us, it's important that we also engage with, with brands that are coming from both tools, from the fashion industry as well as the hygiene industry, right? Yeah, it's a store placement. I had no idea how much controversy and innovation can happen in store placement, whether you're talking about replacing the word feminine hygiene to, you know, menstrual care or whether you are, you know, the new thing now is selling sex tech products in the beauty section, you know, with makeup. So like, apparently that's working out really well, <laughs> but like it's, who would have thought dildos with your blushes was like the right place to put it. You know, it might be or not the right place, but certainly it's the way to fight the taboos and, mm-hmm. and kind of make an impact, right? And I think that's yeah. that's really critical, which is if we want to start talking about these things, femtech or even sexual health is, first of all, how do we break those taboos? And, and it's by doing such things that's really kind of, you know, shocking people's mind by putting this at the place where you wouldn't expect it. Yes. Well, I have one, a uh, few more questions uh, quickly about MAS. Um, I've noticed that y'all are partnered with Planned Parenthood in the UN. Can you tell us a little bit more about your partnerships? Yeah, so so certainly we are partnering with the UN, um, and we we take very seriously our sustainability efforts. So we have our own internal program that is called Plan for Change, where we put the focus on on products, on people, and the planet. Um, so if I were to talk about that, people first of all is also about how do we contribute to the to the global UN targets about you know sustainability and improving people's lives. So we are starting with uh, internally our workforce, right? We have uh, more than 100,000 employees, of which 70% or more are female. So what can we do to improve their lives as they really work for MAS? So for that, we have very specific programs that are running for the past 20 years. We have an internal program called Women Go Beyond that is really about supporting our female workforce, their families, and their communities. So I, you know, uh, these women feel proud about working at MAS. Then second for products, I think, Example of Femtech is all about that, right? We're really in this game. 
to make something better for the environment and for women. And third is about really the planet, which is everything we are doing in Femtech as well as the rest of the units is really with that efforts towards improving sustainability profile of our products. So we're really taking that seriously. And that's why we decided to be one of the partners with you and to, to try to drive that global agenda for sustainability. Fantastic. And are you partnered with Planned Parenthood as well? Uh, yes, yes, we are. I cannot give you more details on that. I would need to check with my colleagues to, to give me the information. But yes, that's another partnership. Amazing. Wow. MAS does a lot of amazing work. This is incredible. Who knew the giant behind this, you know, the textile innovation. Um, thank you so much for your time. We have two last questions that our listeners really love. The first one is we have a lot of aspiring entrepreneurs, um, students, people switching professions. They want to make a difference. So what is an area in women's health and wellness that you think still needs innovating? Um, certainly. Menopause is one of those areas. Um, I talk about hot flashes as the number one symptom in menopause, but that's one symptom only. Research tells us that there are up to 40, 48 symptoms in menopause. Um, you know, some of them may not be suffered by many, but certainly there is a top 10 list that we haven't really tackled yet, right? And today in menopause, which is such a taboo because combines kind of... Uh, women and older women. So it's like a double taboo where nobody wants to talk about that, right? Um, but if we think of that, the only solution today is hormones replacement therapy, which means taking some drugs with side effects. Uh, that could be good, but what is about, you know, is there any non-medical solutions to that? What else can we do? Uh, so the example that we we develop with our, our textile solutions is one of them, but uh, I really would encourage these young entrepreneurs to come up with ideas also to cater to women at the menopause. By 2025, there will be 1 billion women, 1 billion women in the menopause. What are we doing for them? Not much. And the economic burden is huge for women with menopausal symptoms, missing work or not being able to perform as well because their symptoms are just so in the way that I, I always think about, you know, we fought so hard for women to be the CEOs, for women to sit at the table, for women to be on the board. But if we don't take care of these women, they're not going to be well enough to sit there. They're not going to be well Absolutely. enough to be in those positions that we work so hard to get, you know, because our health is bringing us down because no one made a solution, right? Absolutely. And it's very wrong to focus just on periods and incontinence. I think it's, you know, the full... Yeah. Uh, life cycle and that goes from periods to pregnancy or not even pregnancy and if you're pregnant postpartum and then even menopause so it's not just periods it's from periods to menopause and everything in between and I think we owe it to all women no matter their age. Yes absolutely and our last question is what do you think the femtech industry as a whole needs the most right now in order to be successful? Investing and I would say more daring uh, young entrepreneurs wanting to bring their ideas, uh, talking with some of the other experts. It could be us, it could be someone else, but I think we need more action, more interest, more investors, because only by that we will really be able to drive the change. Right? It has been a massive change, but it's still an industry with relatively very little investment, considering that we are catering to 50% of the population. You know, it's not a, um, it's pretty obvious to me when I have a founder on the show and they say more investment, but I find it very interesting. You work for this company with thousands of employees and you say investment. What is your, your what's your experience been with like, have you talked to investors or are you talking to founders that tell you about the investors or how do you know that that is what the industry needs? 
Um, absolutely. Let me, I'll give you just a, a, a fact. In the last decade, um, only 3% of the businesses that raised financing, uh, they did it for uh, a fem health or a femtech area. Only 3% of the businesses that raised financing. So the other 97% did it for something else. There could be many other areas of investment, right? But I would say again that this is relevant for 50% of the population. That is not a niche. And 50% of the population that will naturally have periods, naturally have incontinence, and naturally have menopause. We like it or not, right? So what are we doing about that? Yeah, I love it. Well, uh, Pilar, this has been incredible. Thank you so much for your time today. I hope you can pack up your baby, your boyfriend, and your bags, get home safely. Um, Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to my interview with Pilar Diaz, the Global Head of Femtech at MAS Holdings. I'd be happy to introduce you to Pilar if just send me an email at brittany at femtechfocus.org. Learn more about MAS at masholdings.com. Alrighty, Fem fans, be sure to give this show a five-star review and share it with a friend. Join our virtual community at femtechfocus.org and join the thousands of other Femtech founders, investors, and mentors advancing women's health. While in the virtual community, sign up to be a Fem Pro member for only $15 a month and get access to our assets, such as the Femtech Company Database and our self-guided Femtech Accelerator. Keep an eye out for our monthly Femtech Book Club, which happens the last Wednesday of every month, and subscribe to our newsletter. Last but not least, please consider setting up a recurring monthly donation to Femtech Focus. We are a 501c3 nonprofit and rely on your donations to operate. Okay, Fem fans, until next time, keep innovating because improving women's health and wellness improves everyone's health and wellness. Mm-hmm.